This is Dr. Carissa Hines of Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Information without understanding is not very helpful. Talk with the doctor and feel like you're talking to a friend. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to season three of your favorite health and wellness radio show, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I am your host, Dr. Carissa, and happy to be back for our third season, which is just crazy, incredible, right? Um, So we celebrated our anniversary offline and off air. Um, July 2nd was our birthday of sorts, our second birthday. So we've been on for two years. And so this starts our third year. And I'm just happy and thrilled and excited for this new season to bring you all more current health and wellness information so that we all can live um, a better, better, healthier, happier life, right? Because that's all of what we want. So Let's get into it. Let's get started. Just as we always have, if you are a new listener to Medical Minutes, um, if you shout us out on our Facebook page, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, you can tell us where you are listening from. And then next week when I'm on air, I will shout out your city. So let's go ahead and get started with our shout outs like we always do. Shout out to my number one fan. Hey, mom, I hope you are having a terrific day morning today shout out to family in they get my list here norfolk virginia virginia beach virginia opelika alabama lusby maryland newport news virginia college park georgia hobbs new mexico myrtle beach south carolina oxford north carolina woodbridge virginia gadsden alabama hampton virginia columbus georgia Memphis, Tennessee, Las Vegas, Nevada, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. I'll see y'all in a few days. Baltimore, Maryland, Belize City, Belize, Albany, Georgia, Huntsville, Alabama, Houston, Texas, Temecula, California, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, Cedar Bluff, Alabama, Charlotte, North Carolina, Ladson, South Carolina, Macon, Georgia, Pensacola, Florida, Center, Alabama, Chesapeake, Virginia, Seattle, Washington, Washington, D.C., Centerville, Virginia, Columbia, South Carolina, Phoenix, Arizona. I will see y'all later today. San Antonio, Texas, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Miami, Florida, and Greenwood, Mississippi. And special shout out um, to our family in Jackson, Mississippi. I know you all are dealing with the flooding and, and all of the things that have happened after that. And so we just want you to know that Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa is praying for you all and, and hoping that you all stay safe and healthy and that you all get your water situation back to where it needs to be very, very quickly. So, you know, if you all, for those of you who do pray, uh, you know, go ahead and give, give a little extra love to our family in Jackson, Mississippi. So you can listen live to this show. We broadcast live from our studio here in Atlanta, WWE Real 1100 AM every Thursday at 11 AM Eastern Standard Time. You can stream this show, www.real1100.com. You can watch us on Facebook, and we actually are live on our Facebook page, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa Page. And I see that we have someone saying good morning, good morning, good morning. We can you can catch the rebroadcast of this show every Sunday, uh, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 12 noon Eastern Standard Time on our other station, 22.3 Takeover Vegas Radio, which is a tune in Internet radio station. This show also rebroadcasts um, several times throughout the week um, on on Real 1100 as well. Please follow us on social media, Facebook, We Are Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, Instagram, at Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, and on Twitter, at Minutes Doctor. So, let's see, what is missing from this show, right? Because I think this show is almost perfect, not quite perfect, 
But what's missing from this show? You. You are missing. Your business is missing from this show. Advertise your business or event during the Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa broadcast. Um, between our Atlanta and Las Vegas broadcast, we are heard in over 200 countries with more than 1 million listeners. So you have an, a fantastic opportunity to get your business in front of almost a million people around the world. To advertise, contact me via our Facebook page at Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, or you can email me at Dr. Carissa at medical, excuse me, at medminuteswithdrcarissa.com, and I will put that out on our Facebook because I messed it up, right? Um, I don't even know my own email. And so also, if you would like to book me for a speaking engagement, for a community event, I am available. Uh, and also, you can reach out to me at, and I'm going to say my email properly this time, drcarissa at medminuteswithdrcarissa.com. All righty, all righty, all righty. Getting into a new, new, new season. This is so exciting. I tell you, I tell you, I tell you. So, okay. So, you know, I decided today, you know, normally I have a guest, but I decided not to do that for our season premiere um, because since we've been off for almost the whole summer, we were off July and August, um, you know, that a lot of things have happened in, in the news, right? And so I wanted to kind of jump in and like catch us up to what has happened in the news. So, you know, a lot has happened since we were last on the air. But first, I will tell you what happened to me. So why we were off. Um, I had planned to take some time off during the summer because I travel and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, but I got COVID. So I got I was infected with COVID at the end of June. Um, and so that kind of took me out of coming and going places. Right. Um, my course wasn't so bad um, because, as you all know, I am fully vaccinated. So I had the first two shots and I have had two boosters. Um, so I had a very, very mild course. I just had like some sinus sinus pressure type deal um, and I had a cough. But, you know, there wasn't anything like that. I didn't have fever, chills, didn't lose my my taste or smell or anything like that. And, and thank God I didn't have to be in the hospital. And so that is what vaccination did for me. It kept me from being so severely ill because, of course, as you all know, I'm diabetic. For those of you who know, those of you who don't know, now you do, right? A little bit about Dr. Carissa. Um, so, you know, I am at high risk for having... Um, you know, having complications and having, you know, having a bad course with it. So that's why I was very much so um, a proponent of, of getting vaccinated. And every time there was a booster offered, I was like, yep, let, let me go ahead on and get that. Um, and so, you know, so the thing for me was, you know, after I got over, like I felt better from from that sinus situation in about five or six days I felt better but then after that I had a long bout with fatigue so for me it would be in the evening I would get up during the day and do all of the things that I do during the day but around about 8 30 9 o'clock at night I would have to go to bed I would just be like literally done um, for the day and so that went on for about five or six weeks um, before my energy level really really came back so I decided to take a prolonged hiatus from the air um, because initially I thought I would come back in August uh, and start the season but it was good to have the time off because it gave me time to to regroup and rest and, and do all those things. And it made me think about what I wanted to do uh, going forward uh, with the show and, and, and that kind of thing. And some new things will be coming down the pike because I had some time to to really strategize those things. But now I am back. We are back. It's season three. I feel 100 percent better. And so there is that. So enough about me. So here we go. So the first thing that I want to talk about today um, is about a phenomenon called rebound COVID. And I'm sure you all have heard this in the news um, because we've had some very high profile people who have had this to happen to them, namely President Biden and his wife, First Lady, Dr. Jill Biden, and also uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Um, who unfortunately is leaving the the White House COVID uh, task force um, soon and going into retirement. And we wish Dr. Fauci well in, in what comes next for him. 
But anyway, so what is rebound COVID? So it's when a person has an initial COVID infection, right, and they seem to get better. Um, sometimes it's associated with the antiviral medication called Paxlovid, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, um, but sometimes not, right? Uh, and they seem to recover only a few days up to a week later to have a resurgence of their COVID symptoms. So they get COVID, they get better, and then they get the symptoms again. Um, so that's the, the rebound um, part of this, right? So it, it is rare that it happens. So I don't want you all to, to be overly worried about it. Um, but again, you know, because some high profile people have, have um, had this to happen, it has made the news. And so here we are talking about it. So in a soon to be released study, um, it was revealed that during the Omicron wave, the initial wave, about two to four percent of patients experienced a rebound infection or a rebound experience of symptoms within a week after treatment. And about five to six percent uh, had rebound within a month. So that was, you know, for me personally, yet another reason to just kind of just take it easy and ease back into all of the things um, that I do. And I will tell you all that I did not, because I knew of this phenomenon, I personally did not do um, the Paxlovid treatment, even though I was eligible for it, um, because I was like, you know, I'm, I'm down and out for these these five or six days that I had to quarantine. And, you know, I didn't want to have to go through all of that again because I was looking at my schedule and all of that. And I know, I know, I know. Um, but I didn't want to, to have to go through that again because in, in the immortal words of Sweet Brown, ain't nobody got time for that, right? So I decided just to, to ride that wave out and, and let the virus do what it does and then peter out. So in a separate study uh, from the Mayo Clinic, about 1% of patients treated with Paxlovid experienced the rebound symptoms. Um, studies show that people with comorbidities, and by comorbidities, I mean other chronic diseases such as uh, diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, obesity, um, they may be more likely to experience a rebound case uh, when they take um, when they take Paxlovid. Uh, and so again, you know, so the question that we we have to ask ourselves is why is this happening? Um, so it is thought that, of course, the Paxlovid does work um, in terms of uh, reducing the time that the virus is active in your body once you take once you take the medication, but the duration of treatment for Paxlovid is five days, and so the prevailing thought is that the duration of treatment time is too short. Um, that the five days is not enough, but there has not been any new recommendation for a longer treatment period as of yet. But that's probably coming. So that's what they think that the key is, that it does not suppress the virus for long enough. So it suppresses the virus uh, for a short period of time, the five days. And then once the drug clears from your system, there is still virus left in your system. And then that kind of gets reactivated, if you will, and or reinvigorated. Um, and then you start to feel sick again. So that's that's the theory there. So what is the Paxlovid? Paxlovid is a combination antiviral medication, and it inhibits an enzyme that the virus needs in order um, to function. But it doesn't kill the virus because you can't kill viruses. Um, you know, you can only uh, treat the symptoms and the virus has to do uh, what it does. The good thing about Paxlovid is the treatment is in a pill form. So a lot of people can take this medication at home. Um, which is great because you have to quarantine anyway. So you take the Paxlovid for five days, you quarantine for five days, which is the new um, new recommendation for the quarantine period, um, according to the CDC. Um, and it reduces, the goal of it is to reduce the severity of infection and, the, and decrease the incidence of hospitalization. Because of course we know that, you know, the hospitalization piece is what you really want to, want to avoid if you possibly can. You don't want to be that sick, right? And so 
um, you know, particularly in these high-risk populations. So again, people with underlying conditions um, where your immune system may be compromised, right? So particularly thinking about our cancer patients that are actively on chemo and radiation, um, people with chronic diseases, again, diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, obesity, um, are the big ones that we need to, to look out for. And of course, our elders, um, the population greater than age 65, because what we know from the studies is that the people that were age 65 were more likely to have more severe courses um, of COVID with more morbidity and mortality. So they were getting sicker and they were dying more often. And so we don't we don't want that because we love our elders and we want them to be around longer. So Paxlovid is approved for use in age 12 and older. And you have to be for for the, the little ones, the younger ones um, at age 12, you have to be over 88 pounds uh, in order to to qualify for that. And you have to have, um, you know, be in one of those high risk populations there. So next, Moderna and Pfizer. And so, you know, here's the thing. Medicine changes so quickly. So I was watching the news this morning and I was like, what I wrote when I wrote this show two days ago is now obsolete. So I was going to tell you all that Moderna and Pfizer were seeking FDA authorization for an updated COVID-19 vaccination. But as of this morning, they have the approval uh, for this updated uh, vaccine. So this vaccine, um, according to the studies, is more effective against the current Omicron variants, BA.4 and BA.5. Um, and so those are the current dominant variants here in the United States. So you remember we talked about variants or variations or different versions um, of COVID. And we got to the Omicron and then Omicron has decided to um, become subdivided, if you will, um, in, in the variants. So when we left the air back in June, the dominant subvariant of Omicron was BA.2. So here we have three more, three more variants have, have come on the scene uh, and, and are causing trouble still. So, you know, again, you know, these variants, as they, as they come about, the variants are more virulent, meaning that you can catch it. They're more contagious, so you can catch it a lot easier, right? But the good thing is, is that they are not as, as potent, if you will. So they're not causing the degree of illness and the degree of death that we were seeing, let's say, back in March 2020 um, with earlier uh, variants of COVID. So, again... These boosters were supposed to be, according to the White House COVID-19 response team coordinator, um, you know, they were predicting that this booster would be available by mid-September. But here we are on September 1st and it is approved. Uh, so, you know, be on the lookout for that. And when that booster comes, you know, do go out and, and get that. And I am going to to get it as well because um, so if you've had COVID you have to wait six eight weeks um, before you can take a booster again so I'm right in line with that so in other vaccine news um, there is a new vaccine on the market for COVID called Novavax it is approved for emergency use in adolescents ages 12 to 17 um, and unlike current vaccines on the market, the Novavax uses a protein-based technology that targets the spike protein. So going into microbiology just a little, little, little bit, if I can nerd out with you all just a little bit. So this spike protein is on the surface of the cell of the virus, and it is what presents itself. So it's like its calling card, if you will, um, to get invited into the cell and cause infection and cause all of the things that it does cause. So if you can interrupt how that spike protein is made, um, or if you can stop it from being made at all, then the virus cannot enter, um, then the virus cannot enter the cell and, and won't be able to cause infectivity. So that in a nutshell is how, is how, this, how this goes. So um, according to 
research, this vaccine has showed excellent efficacy against the BA4, BA.4 and BA.5 uh, variants. Alrighty, we are going to take a little, little bit of a break here. And when you come back, or when we come back, uh, we will uh, talk some more about some other things that are going on in the news and in the world. Uh, but this segment has been sponsored by uh, Freeman Moore Medical Consultants, which are a service that provide uh, premier disability consultation services, uh, either new applications or um, appeal applications. And you can reach them at www.freemanmoremedical.com. This is Dr. Carissa. You are listening live to your favorite health and wellness radio show, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, and we will be right back after a break. Are your pet's vaccinations up to date? Just for Pets Wellness Center can help keep your pets protected from fleas, ticks, heartworms, and other nasty bugs with the latest parasite detection and prevention programs available. We offer parasite screening and prevention to the most advanced topical and chewable medications. Using our online pharmacy is affordable, safe, convenient, and provides home delivery. Visit our website for more information at www.justthenumber4petsfl.vet or give us a call at 239-270-5721. Hi there, healthy people. Do you have a healthy product or service? If you are a certified medical professional, fitness trainer, author, or chef, Old Fashioned Health would love to promote your services or product on the Old Fashioned Health radio show. Please reach out to us. Call 404-793-3960 or email us at oldfashionedhealth at gmail.com. You can also contact us at oldfashionedhealth.com. Old Fashioned Health, good health inside and out. Welcome back. Welcome back. You are, if you're just tuning in, you are listening live to your favorite health and wellness radio show, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I am your favorite health and wellness radio show host, Dr. Carissa, and welcome back. You are joining us for our season three premiere. And once again, I am grateful and thankful that you all tune in and that we are here uh, to begin a third season to begin with. So we were just talking about updates with COVID, um, about how there is a um, new booster uh, that is being released that is more effective against our current dominant variants, Omicron BA.4 and BA.5, um, that gained FDA approval today uh, and hopefully will be available for distribution at some point in time this month. So do go out and get that because COVID is still happening. Um, you know, I know that we are are living in a maskless society now. And so in one aspect, it is very, very nice to see people's full faces and smiles and such things. But don't cough or sneeze around me still, please don't do that. Anyway, so next in the news, the big one, right? Monkeypox. So right when we were at the end of our last season, monkeypox was was becoming a thing it was in the news and so you know just as an aside me personally i i love that medical topics um have made it into the mainstream media and they are a a very effective and important way to educate the masses about things that they should be aware about particularly when it comes to health on the flip side of that though um you know the the media can cause mass hysteria uh, about something and I think that that may be just kind of the the tension that we live in in our in, in our COVID society now right because of course you know there was reporting and in my opinion not enough reporting at first um, about how how dangerous COVID was and then you know we all see what happened with that so you know maybe it's a once bitten twice shy type situation where we're going to just talk talk about monkeypox to death so you know what what is what is monkeypox so it's a disease caused by an infection by the monkeypox virus uh, so this virus when we talk about 
viruses and bacteria as well. Uh, viruses belong to families. And within those families, they're kind of structurally the same, but a little bit different. So it's kind of like how if you have siblings, you all have the same genetic makeup, but you are not exactly the same copy over and over and over again, right? Because even with twins, there's a little bit of a variation. There's a little bit of difference, but you all belong to the same family. So you have things in common, but you have things not in common. So it's the same thing with our viruses. And so the monkeypox virus belongs to the same family as the smallpox virus, right? But it is not related to the chickenpox virus. So, and I'm going to tell you why. Chickenpox is kind of a misnomer, right? Um, so it is not, chickenpox is not a pox virus. It does not belong to the pox family, even though we call it that. I know, medicine, right? Confusing. Um, so just kind of as an aside, chickenpox is a herpes virus. And so it belongs to the herpes family. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I was looking at the, the historical parts of that um, and the chickenpox got its name um, because of the appearance um, of, of, of the, the bumps there. And so, you know, if you have, for those of you who are younger, you have probably never seen anyone with chicken pox and you yourself have never had chicken pox because of vaccination. Um, but I, I did have chicken pox when I was five, I believe I was. And I remember, um, you know, all of the bumps and the itching and being slathered with calamine lotion um, and so it's, it's this pink lotion and it was just all over. So I was like, you know, a pink smurf for, you know, for a while um, trying to get rid of that. But anyway, back on topic. So the first case of monkeypox was actually discovered in 1970 uh, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, which was formerly called Zaire. So, you know, that's hard to keep up with sometimes. I remember Zaire and I couldn't remember what the new name was until I started doing this research. So until recently, almost all cases of the monkeypox virus uh, were diagnosed in Central and Western uh, countries of Africa. And so, you know, but of course, um, you know, with the advent of travel, uh, people who may be infected with the virus but not showing symptoms travel and they're in a new place and then, you know, they can can spread the virus. So at first, you know, this was reported um, in a non-African country, it was reported in Europe. Uh, and then there was like one case um, here in, in the United States. And I believe that first case was in California. And so, you know, it was something to watch for, um, but it wasn't something to put on on the map, so to speak. Um, because until you get to about a thousand cases of any disease, it, it really is not something um, that that merits the news and, and hysteria and all of that kind of stuff. So through July of 2022, uh, there were 5,189 confirmed cases of monkeypox in the United States. But by August, every state in the United States has had at least one confirmed case and there are over 15,000 confirmed cases. So it has tripled in the number of confirmed cases in a month. So very, very rapid spreading. But, and I'm gonna say but, um, because I don't want anyone to be, I want you to be aware, but I don't want you to be alarmed, right? So according to the CDC, the highest concentration of cases is in the Washington, D.C. area with 30 cases per 100,000 residents. So, you know, even though it is rapidly spreading and the numbers are going up, at this point, it is not, it has not reached the level of pandemic. So if I had to be worried about COVID or monkeypox, I'm choosing COVID every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So what are the signs and symptoms of the monkeypox? So you'll have respiratory symptoms, so a cough, nasal congestion, sore throat, um, and then of course the rash, because that is common of all pox viruses. Um, the rash is painful and it looks like blisters or pimples, uh, and it can appear on the face, inside of the mouth, or on other parts of the body. So it basically can be anywhere. 
right? Um, you can have the flu-like symptoms of, you know, fever and chills, headache, um, muscle aches, swollen lymph nodes, and fatigue, all of those things. So you can have all of those things. You can have just one of those things. Um, I am not certain that you can have a monkeypox diagnosis without the skin rash, though. So that seems to be, um, you know, a kind of sine qua non or a calling card, if you will, um, of the monkeypox infection. So, you know, if you all of a sudden get sinus congestion and, you know, let me just take a step back and say that, you know, here is where for me as a medical professional, I understand where um, concern and confusion may come because particularly for us here in Atlanta, the season is about to change and, you know, we get pollen. Of course, it's crazy in the springtime and everything gets yellow, but there's a different pollen that comes up too. So if you are um, sensitive to those things, you can have cough, congestion, right? You can have all of these things, but common things happen commonly. So if you are experiencing these things, more than likely, it is just your seasonal allergies. More than likely. Of course, if you are concerned, you can go to your primary care provider and get tested. Um, but, you know, I don't want anyone to, you know, you sneeze and then you start panicking. Oh, my God, I've got the pox. No, you probably don't. So people who are at high risk for for monkeypox uh, infection, um, people who are immunocompromised. So if there is something uh, that makes your immune system not work to protect you as well as it should. Uh, so, for example, you know, if you have a a, a genetic issue with your immune system, or if you, um, going back to that cancer analogy or the example, um, if you are on chemotherapy and then that is knocking down your immune system, right, um, then that makes you susceptible to all kinds of things um, because, you know, your immune system is not there to be that shield of protection that you normally have. Uh, if you are less than eight years old, you can have a more severe case of monkeypox. And there has been um, a, a report in the news of two children um, so far uh, who are infected by this. If you have a history of skin condition, so if you have a skin condition, like let's say you have severe uh, as excuse me, severe eczema or psoriasis, then of course getting infected with monkeypox can make your skin condition worse uh, as well. And then of course, if you are pregnant and breastfeeding, because of course this can be spread from, from a pregnant woman to her fetus. So the symptoms usually last about two to four weeks and good news, because I'm always about that silver lining to these, to these medical clouds, um, monkeypox is rarely fatal. Um, most people, you know, do the course of, of their of the virus and recover completely and go on to, to do well. The treatment for monkeypox, um, there is an antiviral medication um, which was originally developed to treat smallpox because of course, you know, we really don't hear here in the United States and in, and in um, more developed parts of the world, you don't hear about smallpox. Um, but of course, in, in lesser developed parts of the world, this is still, smallpox still happens. And again, we don't have smallpox because of vaccination. So, you know, again, I am always gonna be on my soapbox preaching about the benefits of, of vaccination. So why does the antiviral medication that works for smallpox, why does it work for monkeypox? Well, again, like I said in the beginning of this segment, when we talk about families, right? And so these families of viruses, they are structurally the same except for one or two type things. So if a medicine works against one, theoretically, it should work against all of them. So that's how that, that comes about. So that's a good thing that we already had this medication. Now, how does monkeypox spread? So again, when we talk about how this is represented in the media, um, you know, there has been talk about the spread um, from homosexual men. So men who have sex with men, that's how they're describing that. And I don't know why they won't say homosexual because that's the definition. But anyway, um, how does it spread? So it spreads from person to person through direct contact with 
an infected person's rash, the scabs, or the bodily fluids. Um, because as these blisters, as they open and start to heal, they may leak. And so you have this infected fluid that's there. Um, prolonged face-to-face -face contact, um, particularly uh, during intimate, you know, really, really close up on people, right? So including kissing, uh, cuddling, or um, having sex with an infected person because you are doing that skin-to-skin -skin contact um, there. If you touch items that have been touched, um, that have touched the infectious rash or body fluids of an infected person. Um, so there is a report of a case of a lady who worked in a convenience store and an infected person came into the store and handed her money or, or something and she touched the money and then touched her face and all of this stuff. And, um, and that's how she contracted monkeypox. So she says. So, you know, that's the report of that. And of course, you know, as I said, pregnant women can pass this on to their fetus. Um, it can also be spread by animals and by contact with animals, infected animals or animal products um, there as well. And then of course, sharing objects that are contaminated. So, you know, if you want to share utensils with a person that has obvious signs um, of infection, sharing utensils, sharing cups, that kind of thing. Don't do that. Um, and so, you know, it can be spread from the time the rash starts until the rash has fully healed, right? So looking out for this rash is going to be um, the key to, to keeping yourself safe along with some other things that we'll talk about in just a minute. Um, so people who do not have symptoms cannot spread the virus. So if you are not symptomatic, um, even if you do have the virus there, you are not contagious until the symptoms, uh, sim until symptoms show up. So another question that someone has asked me um, is the monkeypox, is it an STD since we talk about this close contact, right? Um, and so not exactly, right? It is sexually transmissible. Um, but only due to the fact of how sex happens, right? You got to get close to someone. Um, and so if you have that really, 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 really close contact with someone who has blisters or a rash or, or something like that, then, you know, if you are having sex with that person, then that is how um, the sex links to it. But it is not exclusive to sexual activity. So that's why it's technically not an STD. Which brings me to, um, you know, when we talk about, uh, like I said, in the news, when they're talking about this spread between or amongst or from um, men who have sex with men, that gives you the implication that this is a sexually transmitted infection and that is not entirely true. So I wanted to make sure um, to, to make that point, right, that it is a contact spread. Um, it is not, a, not exclusive to... Um, the gay population and it is not exclusive to sexual activity so you know I don't want people to latch onto that and think that they're safe because you are not ha engaging in in homosexual activity because that is not the case right and also too you know even though um, so far the majority of cases have been documented in men who have um, male-to-male -male sexual or close intimate contact I don't want this to be placed in that community um, to the point where we make this community a pariah of this disease. Um, because I remember way back when, way, way back when, I'm, I'm a little bit older than, than some of y'all, and I remember when HIV hit the scene, right? And how, you know, it was reported as a homosexual thing right that it happened in the homosexual population and we did not give it by we I mean the world because I was like a kid at that time um, did not give it the the proper um, caution that we should have because the messaging led people to believe that if you were not participating in homosexual activity that you wouldn't get it 
and we all know now that that is completely not true. So I want to do what I can to to stop that from happening again. So if you are, I'm going to say again uh, for the people in the back, if you are in contact with someone who has this rash, you can get it, whether you're having sex with them or not. Okay, so when you hear that, you know, don't just latch onto that as your, that's going to be your safety blanket because it is not. If you touch something that has this on it, you can get it. So now, is there a vaccine for this? Actually, there is because, of course, like I said, this has been around for 50 plus years. And so, you know, we do have the vaccine for this. So again, this monkeypox is not new. This vaccine is not new. So, you know, for people who want to say, oh, it's too new. No, you just didn't know about it. Okay. And that's okay. That's okay. So there are actually two vaccines that are currently on the market. Um, the um, Genios, and I'm not even going to spell that. It is all capital level letters. So I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. And then there is ACAM 2000. So of the Genios, that one is the one that is in limited supply in the U.S. And uh, we are doing our best to ramp up production and supply um, of that vaccine. And then the ACAM is in greater supply, but it is not recommended for those who may have a weak immune system, uh, have pre-existing skin conditions, or are pregnant. So there's a little bit of limited um, population availability uh, for the ACAM 2000. So, you know, we're just going to hope that the, the Genios uh, can be, um, the production can be ramped up and getting that. So now, who should get the vaccine? So for those who are in close contact with an infected person, uh, for people who have sexual partner or partners uh, who have been diagnosed with infection in the last 14 days, and for people with multiple sexual partners in the last 14 days in areas of known uh, confirmed cases of monkeypox. So it is not widely recommended uh, for the general population as of yet, but of course we're gonna have to keep watching the numbers in terms of how quickly this spreads and into, you know, how how deeply this spreads into communities. Uh, and that recommendation may very well change. So stay tuned. And of course, as I know, I'll let you know. So it is not recommended for everyone at this point in time. So now prevention is an ounce of prevention is always worth a pound of cure, right? So how do I not get monkeypox? So number one, Avoid contact with persons with rashes or with symptoms, right? So if you see someone with all of this stuff all on their face, and not just for monkeypox, but in general, because, you know, herpes is still out there. Let me just let y'all know that, right? So if you see people with rashes on their face and that kind of thing, um, maybe don't kiss them or hug them or, you know, get that close contact. Now, of course, there are some people that have other skin conditions, and maybe that's a conversation to, to be had as to, you know, what what's going on with with your skin i don't know how you would say that with a stranger but whatever um you want to have contact uh, excuse me avoid contact with objects or materials that have been used by an infected person while they are actively symptomatic so once the skin rash goes away you're good because they will have been resolved of their of their active infection and of course wash your hands wash your hands wash your hands wash your hands hand washing is the best thing that you can do to prevent all kinds of stuff um, right and then of course hand sanitizer is effective um, but it has to be um, hand sanitizer that has at least a 70 percent alcohol uh, concentration so, you know, if it smells really, really good, but doesn't smell like alcohol, it's probably not the most effective hand sanitizer. And you might want to to switch that up or mix them or whatever you want to do. But check the packaging. Got to have more than 70 percent alcohol. Right. So for those of you who um, have children and, you know, we're in, in the throes of the first weeks of back to school. Um, right. So how should you how worried should you be about your children? Right. Um, so can monkeypox be spread by sitting next to someone? Not likely unless there is physical contact. Right. And thus far, um, it has not been rapidly spreading 
in the pediatric population. So, you know, we don't have to really, really worry about that. And now what about adolescents and college age kids? So, you know, that's a different different take than, than your primary school kids, right? Because of course, adolescents are at a point where they are starting to perhaps, starting to experiment with sexual activity and kissing and that kind of thing. And so they are getting close and having that, that close intimate contact. Um, with people. So of course, you know, talk with your kids and let them know if you see something that doesn't look right, maybe don't hug that, maybe don't kiss that, maybe don't touch that. But you know, kids will be kids and you know, they're going to do what they do. But we can arm them with with this information. And lastly, for today, I want to talk about polio. So once again, in old disease, right, that you probably have never seen anyone with it, unless you have maybe a grandparent or a great grandparent um, that was alive during that time when polio was really, really active. Um, I have seen people with post polio, so they had the infection and, you know, are still living with, with some, some consequences of that. So it has, polio has come back into the news because it was recently reported that the polio virus was discovered in wastewater in, in the state of New York. Um, and in this population where this wastewater was collected from, they have low immunization rates for polio. Um, and so now, you know, so that became a worry. And there was one reported case of polio. And so why would you say there's only one case? Why is this even newsworthy? Because... Um, polio, um, you, you just from a historical standpoint, uh, polio caused a tremendous amount of, of illness and disability um, way back in the day. So if you Google polio, you will see all kinds of, of um, things with kids with leg braces and kids in iron lungs because, you know, they had to use machines to breathe for them. So it would be like this long tube and you would see a little child's head sticking out of the end of it. Um, and that was how, you know, that machine, the pressurized um, parts of that machine were how uh, these children were, were able to breathe. So it was kind of like a external ventilator, if you will. Um, and so, you know, we definitely don't want to, to go back to that. So through rigorous vaccination programs, polio was initially eradicated in the United States in 1979 in the United States. So if you were born after that, you, you know, you don't know anything about, about polio. And that has not been a part of your life because you were vaccinated. Um, prior to that, polio was widely feared with outbreaks paralyzing about 15,000 people every year in the United States. And that paralysis is permanent. So in developing areas of the world, however, eradication has not yet occurred. Uh, and so the combination of an infected person traveling to areas of low vaccination rates makes that population vulnerable. And that is what the thought is um, with this population in New York. So you have these people who are anti-vaccine and all of this. I'm not going to get this for my kid. And so they are creating these communities of susceptibility uh, where their children are, are vulnerable there. So how is polio spread? So polio virus um, is spread from the human intestinal tract via the fecal oral route. And yes, that sounds just as gross as you think it is. So here we go. A person gets uh, stool germs on their hands and then they touch something or someone. And then that person puts their contaminated hands or objects or whatever around their nose and mouth. Gross, completely. But how many times have you seen people like you've been in a restaurant and you go to the bathroom and you see people that just come right out of the stall and they go right out the door and they don't wash their hands? Those are your fecal oral spreaders of germs, people. Those are them. So that's kind of how that how that starts. So again, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. So most cases of polio are mild and for every... 300 to 1,000 mild cases, there is one case of paralysis. But of course, you don't want to be that one, right? I don't want to be that one. Um, so there, there, again, we talk about the vaccines. Um, there used to be 
two types of vaccine. Um, the oral vaccine, which contained a live weakened virus. And so it was like little drops and you would get a, you would give a kid a couple drops um, of this. And, you know, so there are no shots and all of that kind of stuff because people have issues with, with that. And I get it. But that is no longer available in the United States because what we found out is that this virus could be shed within the body and then still spread. Right. Because, again, it comes through the the intestinal tract and the fecal oral route. And I'm not going to revisit that because, again, it's gross. Um, and then there's the injection, which is the the killed uh, killed virus. So that is the the vaccine that we get now It's the injection. So who should get the vaccination? So there are four doses of this vaccination that most children in the United States get before the age of six. And it's on a schedule and you can check with your family doctor or your pediatrician um, with that. But most of the time, um, these children are required to be fully vaccinated before they start school, um, unless there are some exceptions. And there are some exceptions, right? And is there a booster? So if you are an adult, can you get a polio booster? Yes, you can but not everybody needs it. Um, they reserve the booster for people who um, are at higher risk of exposure to the virus. So for example, if you're traveling to a country where the risk of, of, of exposure or infection is high, um, or if you work like in a laboratory or in a healthcare setting where you're handling samples of this virus, um, you know, or if you are working with patients who have the virus, you know, if you're a healthcare worker and you're working with patients like in a polio ward, because they do still exist, um, or you're in close contact with someone who's been infected, or if you are an adult who's never been vaccinated, um, you can, can get a vaccine. Now, again, exceptions to the vaccine. So those who have had a previous allergic reaction to a dose of the polio virus, we don't want to test that again. Or if you have an allergy to a particular class of antibiotics, which includes streptomycin, polymyxin B, and neomycin, so the mycin, M-Y-C-I-N family. Um, if you are allergic to those, you should not get the polio virus. So that is what we have for today talking about medicine in the news and as usual we are going to end with our vitamin c for today our vitamin c today talks about the power of being positive and so here we have a quote in order to carry a positive action we must develop here a positive vision and this is from his holiness the dalai lama how we see ourselves or the outcome of an endeavor has the power to manifest itself into our reality. So be careful with your vision. Be careful with your outlook. Be careful with even your inner thoughts because they have a tremendous amount of, of power. Think positively and good things will happen. Thank you so much for joining me today for our season three premiere. I look forward so much to the season. I'm so excited for the things that I have to share with you all. And so until we meet again, my friends, be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. Take care. This is Dr. Carissa. Thanks for joining me this week on Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Join me next week for more comfortable yet in-depth conversation. Have a great week.